Welcome to Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids, where we look back on the church fathers who raised the ramparts which defend our faith to present day. On this episode, we conclude our summer family worship study guide called Systematic for Saplings. And tonight, we're going to look at the doctrine of eschatology with a special guest host, our fellow rebel, Pastor Nate Wright. So, let's take a closer look. My name is Grant, and joined with me are my three saplings. The oldest is Lila. What's up? The middleest is Edward. Have a nice day, and I'm here. Wait, wait, can I redo that? <laughs> no, ready, go. Seriously. Yeah, ready, and go. <laughs> nice to be seen, and it's nice to, and it's nice to see you. No, you can't see me. And, can't see you. and the littlest is Nora. Hi. And of course, our guest host is P. Nate from the Rebel Podcast. What's up, Nate? Hey, oh, everybody. Hi, Nate. How's Hi, it going Nate. over there? Pretty good. good. At, uh, at Shea Van Brimmer. Huh? Shay? Is he speaking French to us? What the? I don't I'm even from know. from Canada. Him. He's from Canada. You guys don't speak Spanish, do you? No, we don't. <laughs> this is, this is, that would be Casa VB. <laughs> What's Casa? That's home. Hola. I don't, I know one, one. Hola. Well, thanks for having me on, everybody. Nice to see you all. Hear you all. That's right. Thank you for joining us. This episode, P. Nate is going to lead us through the topic of eschatology. Now, parents out there, as a part of Rebel Alliance Media, we have an eschatology series on YouTube that you can go watch and learn more about eschatology. But so I thought for the kids episode, we would bring on our expert here in Rebel Alliance Media and he will be leading us through this episode as we conclude our summer study series tonight. So, Nate, go ahead and take it away. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, eschatology is a, is a big word. Who over there can help me tell everybody what eschatology means? Lila? Me? Yeah. What's up? What does eschatology mean? Well... Does it have to do with things at the beginning or at the end? At the end. At the end, that's right. So eschaton means last, and when we say eschatology, we mean the study of the last things, the things that come last. So if the Bible's a story, it's kind of like studying the last couple chapters of the story. Like Revelation? What's one of your favorite stories, Eddie? Say that again? Like Revelation? Like Revelation, yeah. Revelation comes at the end of uh, the Bible. And so that would be part of it. And Eddie, what were you going to say? Um, I was going to say my favorite story in Revelation is how God chose, who is it, Paul? John. John, what heaven looks like and what the day that God, that heaven comes down to earth will look like. Mm-hmm. It's really mm-hmm. cool. Like suddenly he's that's, just the, that's, that's one of the best parts of the whole Bible, Eddie. Good job. All right, yeah. so here's here's what when when we talk about eschatology, some people can get kind of weirded out because uh, it's confusing and it's in the future and we're not quite sure what's going to happen. But let's make it really simple. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. If Sounds God, good. if God plans something, is it going to happen? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. How do we know that, Eddie? Because the Bible never makes mistakes. Because basically, God wrote it. 
That's exact. That's exactly right. If God says it's going to happen, does that mean it's going to happen, Nora? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and what? Go ahead, Nora. I know the last thing that Jesus said in the Bible. What's it? What's that? He said, "I'm gonna. I'm coming back soon." Okay. That's okay. Well, that's a, that's actually a really good. That's where where does he say that, Nora? Do you remember what book in the Bible he says that in? It's the one that Eddie already mentioned. The book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation is one of these books that confuses a lot of people because we think that everything in the book of Revelation is about something that's going to happen way off in the future. But do you remember how the book of Revelation starts, Eddie? Um, no, I don't. So let me let me just read you part of the book of Revelation, and you tell me when you think it's going to happen. All right. So it starts off. It says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. So if the Bible says that the Book of Revelation is about things that must soon take place, when will those things take place, Lila? Well, when do you think they're going to take place? If it says they will soon take place, then when do you think they're going to happen,、mm, Lila? Do you mean like when Jesus is going to come back? If you read a letter someone gave you and they said, "I'm going to come to your house soon," when do you think they're coming? Like the next day or a week from then? Yeah. So let me ask you this: If somebody said, "Lila, I'm going to come to your house tomorrow," and they didn't come for two thousand years, what would that say about them? them... They have a pretty good sense of time. No, <laughs> that'd be the complete no. opposite. What I would say、That's、is. A... I would say is, yeah. You said I would. You were gonna be in my house when I was fifth or like twenty, and now I'm six thousand years old. When people think about the Book of Revelation, sometimes they look at all the weird stuff in it, the things that they don't understand, but they forget to look at these really plain statements, like when when the angel said to John that all the things he was about to show him. We're gonna soon take place. So one of the first mistakes we make about、uh, eschatology, about studying the last things, is we think that everything in the Book of Revelation is about the end of the whole world. But if if God told John that it was about the things that must soon take place, does that mean that it probably would have had to happen soon after when John was receiving the letter? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, that makes sense, right?、Mm -hmm. So. So the Book of Revelation is about something really, really interesting, and I know you guys all love history, right?、Mm -hmm. Yeah,、mm -hmm. it's kind of hard though. <laughs> Does anybody know what what was really important that had happened around the year seventy? So right now it's two thousand nineteen. So that's a long, long time ago. Does anybody know what happened around the time of seventy? Seventy A.D. Uh huh. Seventy A.D. You got it. What happened? That then, happened、uh... about forty years before that. Um, Does anybody remember? I think I do.、Um, I think it was when the temple tore. Was destroyed. That's exactly right. Yeah,、Ew. when the temple got destroyed. That's exactly right. So seventy A.D. was really important because what happened at the temple? What did the priests do at the temple every day? What did they offer? They offered a sacrifice. That's right. And if Jesus died on the cross forty years before that, did they still need to be putting sacrifices up on the temple? 
No, because Jesus already but died. He said yeah, that's you're, you're exactly right. So when Jesus died on the cross, he was our once and for all sacrifice, which means that every offering, every sacrifice that happened at the temple after Jesus died on the cross was unnecessary. And so all of the people who didn't believe in Jesus and all of the people who kept offering sacrifices as if that was going to help them with their sin were doing something that wasn't necessary. And not only wasn't it necessary, but it was actually an insult to God who sent his son to die on the cross. So the book of Revelation is mostly about the destruction of the temple and the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Does anybody know who destroyed the temple? The Roman guard? Soldiers. Just the Romans. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The Romans. Yeah. So the book of Revelation is, is mostly about the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't know what actually happens at the end. We know a lot about what happens in 70 AD, but that's not the end of the story. So what's been happening for the last 2,000 years since the temple was destroyed? Um, what's happened to the Christian world? It's been getting better. Yeah, say that with confidence and louder, Eddie. It's yeah, been getting it better and stronger. Exactly right. Does anybody know, there's a, there's a really uh, special verse that we read mostly around Christmas time. It's from Isaiah chapter 9. It says, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. I didn't... And the government... Can, can anybody finish that verse? And the government will be resting on his shoulders. That's right. And then it says, And of the increase of his government and reign, there will be no end. So what happened in 70 AD was Jesus put an end to all of the sacrifices that were insulting his sacrifice on the cross. And since that time, the Christian church has been fulfilling the Great Commission, and the increase of Jesus' reign has been filling up the earth. Um, What's your question, Nora? That's in one of my catechism <laughs> songs. Awesome. Isaiah? So, do you want to sing Do you want to sing the catechism song, or does your dad want to sing it for everybody? I don't uh, know. No, maybe the girls can. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. Yeah, the tune kind of got mixed up in my head because we have like a hundred songs on in that one album. Okay. So, sorry, Nate. So, all right. So when um, so if the world is is right now, if what's happening is the the government is on Jesus' shoulders, and the increase of his government is there's going to be no end. That means it's growing right now. Does that mean that the world is getting better or worse? Better. 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 All three of you at the same time. Say it. Ready, go. Better. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. So see, systematics for saplings, we already have better eschatology than most of the church. That's right. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have a really important question for you guys, though. How do we know that the world is getting better? Um, Because more. Is it because when we look around, everything looks way better? No, no, it's because Christians are having more people that are Christians and are having more children, and more non-Christians are becoming non-Christians. No, they're becoming <laughs> believers. <laughs> more non-Christians. That's actually that's actually really pro- that's actually really profound. One of the ways that the world is getting better is by Christians having lots of kids and raising their kids to love Jesus, 
And one of the ways the world's getting better is by a whole lot of parents using systematics for saplings and teaching their kids how to love Jesus. Yeah. But one of the ways that we know that the world is getting better isn't because when we look around, we see it getting better. It's just because the Bible says it. Ah. We believe the world's getting better because that's exactly what the Bible says it's going to do. You know, in Psalm 22, it says, Psalm 22 is all about Jesus being crucified. At the end of the psalm, after after it talks about Jesus uh, being crucified, it says, and then all the families of the earth will turn and serve the Lord. Mm. All of them. And Psalm 72 says that when the Messiah comes and when he establishes his rule and his kingdom, it says that he'll have dominion, which means he'll be in charge, he'll be the king, he'll be ruling from sea to sea and to the ends of the earth. So we believe that the world's getting better and better. We believe that Jesus is ruling just because that's what the Bible says. It sounds awesome. Yeah. yeah. So let me let me ask you this. Just a couple of the questions from the systematics. So when Jesus came as a baby, did he come in humility or in glory? Humility. Humility. How do how do we know that? Because he was born in a stable and he had Horses and donkeys and sheep next to him when he was born. You... Yeah, can you imagine the king of the whole world being being laid down in a place where animals feed from? Yeah, that'd be kind of icky. That's not a big. That's not a big yeah. grand baby bed crib or Made anything like that for a king, right? Yeah. Did she have a baby shower? <laughs> no. No. She rode a donkey for days going to Bethlehem. That was her baby shower. <laughs> <laughs> if it rained, that would, that would make not sense, but no. a baby shower. <laughs> All right. Yeah, otherwise she would have got a crib to put Jesus in, but mm-hmm. they didn't get a crib because they didn't have a baby shower because they they didn't have a, a, a church that they were going to at the time. That's why. <laughs> That's right. No committee so, for that. So, yeah, no, there wasn't a, a church uh, baby shower planning committee back then. That's right. Um, that's, that's one of the ways the world's getting better actually. So, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So then, so then the question is when Jesus comes back again, is he going to come back in humility again? No, no. What's he coming back as Lila? The next glory. Glory. That's right. So when Jesus comes back, he comes back to a world that recognizes he's the king, recognizes he's the savior. And he comes back because his mission was accomplished. And what was his mission? Why did he come to earth? To die on the cross for people's sins. Yep, definitely. And then 1 John 4.14 actually tells us that he came to be the savior of the world. It says the same thing in John 12. It says the same thing in John 3, that Jesus came to save the world. And the way he came to save the world was by dying on the cross for people's sins, just like you said, but he came to save the world. So when he comes back, he's coming back as the king who's saved the world. Nate, the people who believe that Jesus didn't die on the cross, people should just tell them to read John, because there's a lot of statements that (laughs) Jesus died on the cross. Yeah, John's a good one, huh? That's that's very true. So... When Jesus comes back, and here's, so we're, we're kind of, uh, walking through this. So Jesus comes back to a world that he's saved, and there's an enemy left for him to defeat. Does anybody know what enemy Jesus has to I come do, back I to do. defeat by himself? I do, I do. What's that? Death. 
death. That's right. Do you know, it's, it's actually 1 Corinthians 15 that tells us that, that Jesus, where is he seated, seated right now? At the right hand of God. Good job. That's right. And, and Psalm 110.1, actually, I got a question for you. Do you know what God's favorite Bible verse is? No. no. It's Psalm 110.1 because he quotes it all over the place. Psalm 110.1 is quoted all over the New Testament. It's the most quoted Bible verse in the whole Bible. And it says that he, talking about Jesus, he must reign until all his enemies are underneath his feet in victory. You guys, so, do you guys remember that verse? You remember memorizing Psalm 110 um, last summer? Yeah. It starts out with the Lord... Lord is my no. oh, oh no I, I what know is it, it. Eddie, the Lord says to my Lord sit at my sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool boom high five good job Ow. well done Eddie <laughs> so Paul quotes that verse and he says for he must reign Jesus must reign from the right hand of the Father until all his enemies are put underneath his feet in victory and the last enemy to be defeated is death that means when Jesus finally comes back there's still one enemy that we can't defeat without him, and that's death itself. Mm-hmm. So when Jesus comes back, what happens to death? The death dies. That's right. No, that's, yeah. Hey, say, say it like you mean it. That's perfect. The yeah, death, death dies. dies. Yeah. It kind of sounds funny. Good job. Yeah. yeah. It so, does sound dies. funny. That's right. Remember you guys, we did that episode on John Owen? And yeah. John Owen talking about... Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection, that mm-hmm. stuff. His book was named The Death of Death and the Death of Christ. Yeah, that was a scary episode. <laughs> All right. Yeah, so uh, so Jesus comes back and he defeats death, which means everybody who has died is resurrected. And everybody who trusted in King Jesus is resurrected to eternal life. And everybody who didn't trust Jesus is resurrected to what? eternal death eternal death that's right so either you spend eternity with jesus or you spend eternity without jesus and And so for those who love jesus in this life they get to spend eternity with him and for those who spent their whole lives wishing that god would just leave them alone he sends them off on their own and they spend eternity without him which is horrible you have one death that's like one second, and then another death that's infinity years. That's true. Yeah, that's right. That's actually, John John talks about that in John 5, and then in Revelation 20, there's a first death and a second death. Mm-hmm. The first death is, uh, you know, just if, if Nate walks outside and doesn't look both ways and he gets hit by a bus, that's the first death. But the second death, Christians, the people who believe in the the people who trust King Jesus, uh, we don't experience the second death because Jesus saves us from it. So we get eternal life instead of eternal death. So at the end of the whole thing, because, right, we're talking about eschatology, which is the study of the last things. At the end of, of everything, what was the point? What's the whole point of the story? Does anybody know? Why did God create everything? And why did God tell the story this way? Um, I know, I know you guys love, I know you guys love catechism. So let me ask you a catechism question. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's exactly right. So the reason God tells the story this way, he punishes evildoers and he rewards those who trust Jesus. 
The reason he tells the story this way is because he gets glory. That means we get to see how great God is. And part of what makes him great is that he punishes evil and that he has mercy on the people that are his. There you go. And then we get to enjoy him forever. Sorry, Nate. And then we get to enjoy him forever. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like you you have pretty good you have a pretty good mom and dad, eh, kids? Yeah. <laughs> At least I'd yeah. say so. <laughs> and one of the things that makes them good is because they're kind to you and merciful to you and they give you things that you don't deserve, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get ice cream even though you haven't been listening. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes sometimes not all the time but one of the other one of the other things that makes your mom and dad good is that they punish you when you do things that are wrong so that they, they so that they teach you how to be people who love god so same sort of thing if god was only merciful we would never see the side of him that's just and if he was only harsh and only condemned people, we would never see the side of him that's merciful. So Paul actually tells us in Romans 9 that the reason God's telling the story this way is so that we can see both sides. We can see his justice and we can see his mercy. So when Jesus comes back, there's a whole lot of people who receive his mercy and a whole lot of people who receive justice. Eddie, what you got? Like, and an example of how mommy gave me something she, how she gave me mercy today was when I wasn't listening at the store her today, and she bought me a Nerf ammo belt. That was grace, huh? Mm-hmm. Sweet. It's actually pretty cool. Sweet. And I could clip it onto my gun. I yeah. put it around my neck and go. That's that's. Are you are you going to be taking that to Wisconsin, Eddie? Or are you going to leave that so I have something to shoot your parents with? <laughs> <laughs> If you're gonna shoot my parents, then no. I'm bringing it with me to work. Maybe, house. maybe just leave, just maybe leave us some squirt guns or something under your pillow so that we have some ammunition, <laughs> right? Sorry, I don't have a single one. I wouldn't. <laughs> That's loyalty. That's loyalty. <laughs> That's hilarious. You guys have any questions of Nate before what about we the Bible stop the joke? episode? You guys want to hear a Bible joke? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we thought. We talked a little bit about the temple today, right? Yeah. All right. So I got a joke for you. Yeah. Where was Solomon's temple located? I don't know. Where, where it was, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> right on the side of his head. Uh, <laughs> oh. Oh. I get it. <laughs> temple, that, like the temple. Is that in a good head. one? Yeah, that's right. There you go. Good stuff. That tracks loud. All right, parents, kids. We hope that you had a great time this summer doing systematic for saplings with us. We hope, parents, that you had a great time watching your saplings grow this summer. I know we had a great time going through it. Kids, did you enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. You want to do it again next summer? Oh yeah. yeah. All right, and look out for rebelalliancemedia.com as we will have this content on there for your future use. doesn't have to be used during the summer. You can use it whenever you'd like. Again, we thank you for listening to another episode of Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids. Stay!